Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Excited to be here. <laughs> we are uh, we are excited and officially, uh, I guess you could say, in the Christmas season, and so we still have a couple of opportunities for you to serve and uh, just love on people this holiday season. And so, back at the back at this table back here on your way out, uh, I encourage you to check out those opportunities and figure out maybe which one uh, would be a best fit for you as far as dates and times and and those things. And let's be a blessing in our community and just uh, in our in our nation as a whole. Amen. Uh, during this time and let's serve each other and serve others and and like you heard just there at the end of the video announcements Christmas at Impact is Sunday December the 20th and it really is one of our favorite services of the year I mean just with all the the Christmas decorations and the special elements and the Christmas songs and uh, really celebrating the birth of Jesus with the Christmas story and communion and candlelight and all of those things. We just have a, we have a great time joining together every year to celebrate the birth of Jesus, which is what it's all about. Amen. And so we want you to be here on December the 20th. It's going to be a great day as we celebrate Christmas at Impact. And I'm going to jump in because last week uh, I have a lot I want to get to, but last week we began a series that we're calling Finish Strong. Finish Strong. And the idea behind this series is not that I think some of us, uh, most years this is probably true, but especially in 2020 this is probably true, that most of us are just kind of limping to the finish line of 2020 and just so excited about, oh, 2021. You know, I said it last week. I don't know exactly what we think is going to magically happen when it turns January 1st, 2021. But we like the idea of a fresh start, a new year. And uh, I think there is some significance behind that, but I don't think our hope should be in that. And I don't think it's God's desire that we limp into the next year and wait until January to get excited about the things of God and what he's doing. I think he desires for us to finish strong so that we can have the confidence and the strength that only comes from him as we walk into a new year. Amen. And so we're in this series leading up to uh, our Christmas services where we're talking about how we can finish Strong And last weekend, the title of the message was Stand Strong. And we talked about how we've got to set our mind on God's purposes, right? We can't, we can't be focused on our human point of view and how we see things. We need to get God's mindset and God's purposes in our heart. We said that we need to keep following because it's worth it. Keep following Jesus no matter what the cost, no matter what it looks like. Keep following because it is worth it, right? Who, what, what does it gain you to, to gain the entire world but lose your soul? Those who... Those who, uh, who try to save their life and hold on to their life will actually lose their life, but those who give up their life for the sake of the cross and Jesus and the gospel will actually save it. And so we need to keep following because it's worth it. And then the last thing we talked about was that we don't need to be ashamed. Jesus said, in these adulterous and sinful times, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of, of the word. Don't be ashamed of what it is that God says to do and how he has laid out uh, his purposes and his plans. We don't need to be ashamed. And then today for part two of our series, I've titled this message, if you're taking notes, uh, simply fight right. Fight right. 
we're going to learn how to fight right. If we're going to finish strong, we need to know how to stand strong, but we also need to learn how to fight right because we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. Every single day, if you're unaware of the spiritual battle, uh, just think about how you felt probably at some point over the last three or four weeks, and I could probably tell you that's a spiritual battle. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle, and so we need to know how to fight and what it is that God says about that. And so we're going to begin today with our main text in James chapter 4. And I originally wasn't going to speak on this this weekend. I felt like the Lord kind of uh, pulled a fast one on me. <laughs> he dropped this into my heart, and I felt like it was a right now, um, you, need to, you need to talk about this. And the reason why is when I read this, it's James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. I felt like the Lord said, this is, like, we don't need to read this as, well, that was cool that James wrote to the, that group of believers or whatever. It was, it was like this urgency that, that we need to take this as if James is standing here in the flesh, like saying, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. And so this is how it starts. And so I want us to kind of go into it with that posture in our heart, like this is directly toward us today. Starting in verse 1, it says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. We could stop right there and preach an entire message over the first, what, three verses of James chapter 4. That there are a lot of us, we're believing God for, for something or we've been praying about something and maybe, maybe the key is that we need to check our motives. Are we in it just for what we can gain? Are we in it just because it makes us comfortable? Are we seeking that out just because it's what we want but not actually what God's will is? We need to, we need to, to sometimes check why we're asking for things and why, we're, you know, why there are quarrels and fights and, and these evil desires and things like that. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God, which is strong language, right? Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. There are a lot of things we could talk about in these ten verses. And I would encourage you to even read the book of James because it is, it is such good, practical wisdom for living your life and, and, and just direction and instruction. But over these ten verses, I want to pull out three things that uh, I believe are going to help us fight right. They're going to help us finish strong if we'll apply these three things. And they're coming directly from what James wrote here. And so here's the first one. And each one of them is just one word. So each point is one word, making it easy on you today if you want to take notes. Here's point number one, the first instruction, submit. Submit. If you want to fight right, if you want to finish strong, you have to submit. Submit. James 4, 7, the first part of that verse, I want to read it from the Amplified because we read it from the New Living and it talks about humbling yourself before God. You know, there's, there's some things that James says and he says, so 
basically in light of that, humble yourself before God. The Amplified says, so submit to the authority of God. Submit yourself to the authority of God. Our first instruction is to submit to God. How do we submit to God? What does it mean to submit to God? I think that some practical ways that we can submit to God, we need to submit our understanding to His truth. We need to submit what we can understand, what we can't understand, what our opinion is, hello somebody, to what His truth actually is. And I said this last week that you don't, you don't when, when you're trying to, to see a counterfeit, be able to identify a counterfeit $20 bill, the best strategy is not to try to find every counterfeit $20 bill and figure out what they all look like so you can pick out what a counterfeit looks like. It's to study the real thing. Because when you study and you know that you know this is the real thing, every counterfeit, even though, well, that one looked different than that one and that one looked different than that one, but I know they're all counterfeit because I know what the real thing is. And we've got to submit what we might think is right, what we might have an opinion about, what we might understand or don't understand, or the knowledge that we have or that we think we have, and submit it to God's truth. Submit it to actually what the truth is. Not what we think, you know, we said it last week, not being so much politically correct as we are biblically correct. We've got to submit it to God. We've got to submit our will to His will. And I think about Jesus, even Jesus, Jesus was praying and he was about to be, he knew that his time had come to accomplish and do what he was sent here to do. And he prayed before he was arrested, he said, not my will, but your will be done. I submit what I want, I know that this, you know, he was like, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, but not what I want, what you want, your will be done. We've got to submit our will. Come on, how many of you know that in 2020, as we end the, the as we end near the end of this year, um, we have a lot of will. <laughs> Would anybody be willing to admit that you've got you got a will? We had we had plans going into 2020, right? I don't know anybody that would probably be on the face of the earth that would say, you know what, all the plans that I had going into 2020 and all my hopes and dreams, they I just every one of them came true. I mean, 2020 was just a perfect year, right? We got about two and a half months in, and everything turned upside down, and we didn't know what side was up and what side was down, and everything started getting chaotic. That's why it's not about our plan. It's about His plan. And if we're about His plan, God is not in survival mode. If we're about His plan, then when things shift and change or whatever, we then we'll know, like, oh, this, okay, so God, this is what you're doing. So I'm going to be about that. I'm going to submit what I want to what your desire is, to what your ultimate plan is, to what your will is. I have, you know, instead of inviting God along in our plan, like, God, this is what I want to do. Like, will you bless this? Will you come along? Will you do this or whatever? God says, I have a plan. I have a will for you. I have a purpose for you. Will you submit to that? We've got to submit what we know to the truth, submit what we think to the truth. We've got to submit our will to his will and why is it so it just begs the question as I was preparing this why is it so important for us to submit why does he say to submit why does he say to humble yourself before God and I think it's right before that he says it's because he opposes the proud so he gives two two separate things he says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble 
So it's almost this picture of a choice. Are you going to humble yourself or are you going to live in pride? And what is pride? Pride is pride is elevating yourself really above God. I can handle this better. I know more. I can I can do this better. I can I, I'm not going to submit to the authority. I'm not going to humble myself before God and submit to his power and authority. I I think I know what's best. And it says that God in James chapter 4 verse 6 says and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Can I just talk to you today? Is that all right? Because I feel this so strongly in me, what I'm talking to you about today. And I know it's going to be a little bit different, but I want you to hang with me because I think that the Lord's trying to speak something to us today. If you, if you study what the word opposes means in the original language, what it literally means, that God opposes the proud, it is to rage in battle against or set oneself against. <laughs> so in other words, we could say it this way. God rages in battle against those who are proud. He rages in battle against those who are proud. But he gives grace generously to those who humble themselves before him. Who submit to his authority and his power. Pride is a dangerous thing. And if we're going to finish strong, if we're going to go into 2021, if we're going to finish the race, just period. We, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to show us if we have pride. Because it says God opposes the proud. God is in a stance, raging battle against those that are proud. And you think about if you place yourself in opposition to God through the attachment to the world, your attachment to the world, he opposes you because of your pride. Pride is what caused Satan to be thrown out of heaven. He, he, wanted, to, like, he wanted to elevate himself above God and we would never say it that way we would never say well I'm just elevating myself above God but when we try to do it our way and we fight to just get our way instead of submitting to God's plan and God's will it's the same thing it's the same thing we're operating in pride and God opposes pride but he gives grace generously to the humble, generously to the humble. Pride is what caused the people, if you read in the Old Testament, they were building a tower to heaven. You know what we'll do? We'll build a tower. We'll make a name for ourselves. We'll become famous. We want everybody to know who we are. Look at what we did. Look at what we accomplished. And God came down and he confused their language and they all scattered to different parts of the world and the work on that tower stopped. But God came down and shut it down because of pride. We have to submit. If, if God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, which one would you like to be? <laughs> do you want to be at war with God? Or do you want to be receiving generously all of his grace? When you submit and you humble yourself under his authority and his power. Let me read you. A few other verses in First Peter chapter 5, verses 5-9, through nine, we see some of the same terminology. He says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. 
Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before fall. Better to live, look at this, better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Better to live humbly and have nothing than to enter into destruction and have it all because you were trying to elevate yourself in pride. Matthew 23, 12, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Pride puts yourself above God, but humbling yourself puts yourself under God and his authority and his power. And let me ask you a question. If we believe that the word of God is the truth, and in Matthew 23, 12, it says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather lift you up, or would you rather have God lift you up? Because he says, if you lift yourself up, that person will be humbled. But if you humble yourself, God says, I will lift you up. I will exalt you. I will give you, I will give you influence. I will put you in people's lives. I will put you in those positions to do much for the kingdom. Would you rather try to lift yourself? And lifting yourself up is so much work. To live that way is so much work. To humble yourself under the authority and the power of God and say, God, I submit everything to you. I'm just, I'm just submitted to you in every area of my life. And God says, okay, I can, you know what I can do with somebody who's submitted? I can lift them up and I can, I can give them influence here and I can give them favor here and I can do this in their life here because they're submitted and they're humbled before me. But those who, those who try to lift themselves up, I oppose them. I oppose them. I, like, I am against those who tried to lift themselves up, who tried to make a name for themselves, who tried to exalt themselves higher than me or think that they know it best. And we would never say it that way, but, but a lot of times, and listen, here's the great news. If today you, like, you feel the Holy Spirit right now saying, you know what, you've been operating in pride, you can change. He can change you. He can change, and you can humble yourself before God today, and you can receive all the grace that God wants to pour out on you generously, and you can allow him to lift you up and exalt you. I would much rather have him lifting me up than for me to lift myself up. Lifting yourself up brings destruction, but submitting to God leads to him lifting you up. And so point number one, submit or humble yourself. Here's point number two. It's resist. Resist. I want to talk about this for just a moment because I think it's, it's very important. James chapter 4, verse 7, the second part of that verse says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What's interesting to me is the word resist in the original language means to set yourself against. See, some of us are having conversations with the devil. We haven't really set ourselves against him. We just hope that he leaves us alone. Well, I want to serve God, but I'm just hoping that the enemy leaves. I'm hoping that the devil leaves me alone. And he says, listen, you want the, you want the devil to flee? You have to resist resist set yourself against him and this isn't the exact same word that's used in verse 6 where it talks about God opposes but it's close <laughs> that God is raging that God is setting himself against those who are proud and he turns around and says resist the devil in other words set yourself against him 
Stand firm against him. And the thing that makes this stance against the devil so powerful is because you first humbled yourself before God. If you try to stand against the enemy in your own strength, it won't work. You've got to submit to God and his power and his authority. The authority that you have over the enemy comes from him. So you submit to God and his power and his authority, and then you resist the devil. You stand against the devil. You set yourself up against the devil. Listen, some of us aren't resisting the devil. We're just hoping that he goes away. We're not, we're not resisting. We're not, we're not setting ourselves against the devil and his schemes and what he's trying to do. We're just hoping like, and this is what it, this is what it sounds like for a lot of us, myself included. Somebody will ask you, well, how, like, how are you doing? How are things going? Oh, boy, the enemy has just been all over me. He's just been attacking me. And, you know, and <laughs> I just, oh, I'm just, I'm just believing that he's eventually going to leave me alone. You know, I mean, he can only do so much to me, and then eventually he's got to go away. And I think the word of God teaches us otherwise, that we shouldn't be having, we shouldn't be having conversations and just hope that the enemy goes away. We have authority over him. And the word of God says, resist him and he'll leave. When you stand, he doesn't like resistance. When you submitted yourself to the authority and the power of God and you resist him, it will just, he will flee. He'll flee. But so many of us, we're not resisting, we're just hoping. Just hoping that he goes, I'm just hoping that it ends. I'm just hoping that it stops. I'm just hoping that it goes away. And we have to, res- we have to take a position of resistance against the enemy against the devil let me read you a few verses on how we can what does it look like possibly to resist the devil or to take a stand or to set yourself against him a few verses from a few different places in the bible ephesians chapter 6 and many of us are familiar with this starting in verse 11 says put on all of god's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Listen, if the church, capital C church, if the body of Christ would really grasp this, it would change things. Because we would stop fighting in the physical, and we would start fighting in the spiritual. And I think that, I think that the enemy laughs a lot of times because <laughs> we don't get this. And so we think we're fighting with each other. We think we're fighting with the other party. We think we're fighting with our neighbor. We think we're fighting with other people that aren't like us. And the Bible, Paul writes, he says, you're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Like these are not, your enemies are not in the flesh. You can't see them. There's a spiritual battle that's going on. And then he gives us instruction after that. He gives us instruction on how to fight the spiritual battle. And many of us are familiar with this because it's called the armor of God. But I want to go on and read it. We, we've got to realize this is a spiritual. We are fighting powers and principalities and things in the spirit realm that we can't even see. And so this is what he says. He says, therefore, in other words, in light of what I've just told you, since this is true, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to, what? Here's our word again. Resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing 
firm. And then he's going to go through and we're going to read it. He's talking about the armor to put on. But many of us, God has given us armor to put on. He has given us things and tools and weapons to use, but we don't use them. We don't pick them up. We don't put them on. We don't, we don't take it seriously enough. Because we might think, well, this is just a physical battle. Well, this is just a difference of opinion. Well, this is just, this is just a difference in, well, they kind of think this and I kind of think this. We need to put on the armor. He goes on, he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be, that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then we see in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus is tempted. He's led into the wilderness. He's tempted by the enemy. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone. Then the devil took him and up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you all, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Revelation 12, 10 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Three things that, that stand out to me in these verses. We're talking about fighting right. We're talking about standing strong, finishing strong. How do we do this? How do we resist? And in, in three different ways, we see how people took a stance and how they overcame and how they resisted the enemy. Here's the first thing. How do you resist or stand firm against the devil? You've got to remember who you are in Christ. This might be the most important thing. You have to remember that you have the authority over him. That Jesus has given you the authority over him. And so we don't have to hope that he goes away or that he stops or that, you know, this stops happening or that, that he leaves us alone or whatever. We actually can take authority because we know who we are. I'm a child of God. I have authority over him. And so I can stand firm against him and he has to flee. I can resist him and he has to flee. The second thing is to put on the armor that God has provided. Why in the world would we not want to put on what God has given us? Why would we not want to pick that up? Why would we not want to put on peace and we would put on the helmet of salvation, protect our mind, protect our thoughts? Come on, somebody. Why are we walking around with no helmet on, allowing the enemy to just plant this thought, plant that thought, plant that thought, plant that thought, make us think this? Come on, that's one of the most dangerous things we're living in right now. It's more people are struggling mentally, I think, than probably ever before. 
And then the last thing is you've got to know and speak the word of God. Why? It's your weapon. It's your weapon. Let me just say this, and I've said this before, but if you don't know the word of God, you can't speak the word of God. And many of us are never picking up our weapon to get it in our heart, to get it on the inside of us so that when things come up and when the enemy comes against us, we can resist and we can quote the word of God. No, that's not who I am. This is who I am. No, I'm not going to do that because this is what God says about my life. No, I'm not going to allow you to overcome me in that way. I'm going to overcome you. Jesus, every single time the enemy came against him with something, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, what? And Jesus said, no. And what did he do? He quoted the word back to him. And the devil was like, you know, he finally gets done, and he's like, well, I'm just going to leave until there's another opportunity. There's not anything that the enemy can do against the word of God. We need to know and speak the word of God. When we resist the devil, he flees from us. And here's number three, point number three that I want to talk about for just a moment as the worship team comes back. you got to choose. Submit. Resist and choose. James 4, 4, we just read it. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And James 4, 8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I think that James is, is, is telling us through this, Directly today, I, I believe it with all my heart that there are some of us, he's saying, your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You want to be loyal to God, but you also don't want to let go of this. And so you've got one foot in God and one foot in the world. And Revelation, I believe it's in chapter 3, even talks about the church that was like that, that they were lukewarm, that they weren't hot and they weren't cold. They were in between and they were lukewarm. And the Bible says that that God is going to vomit them out of his mouth. Because they won't choose. I want some of God and what God has. But I also want to do my thing and I want to have it my way. And I think that that James is telling us you, you can't have it both ways. A person that their life is built on that to where it's a shaky foundation and I've I'm kind of standing on God, but I'm kind of standing on what I can do, and I'm kind of standing on God, but I don't really want to let this go, that won't stand. And so today, I'm urging you and I'm asking you to choose. Choose God. Choose to live for Him and serve Him. And I love what what Joshua said. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I want to read a little bit before it and a little bit after it. Because I think it's so important. But it's in Joshua 24, starting at verse 14. He says, So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, come on, here's our verse, we will serve the Lord. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. And then if we jump down to verse 22, Joshua is is talking about the decision they've made. He says, you are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you 
and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. I think for some of us today, and even those that are watching online, maybe today is the day that we need to destroy the idols. Joshua said, you need to choose today. Do you want to serve that, or do you want to serve God? Do you want to live for that, or do you want to live for God? And stop trying to live for both. And they made the decision, they said, listen, we, we don't want to abandon God for that. And Joshua said, okay, that's a good decision. Now it's time to destroy that. Now it's time to tear that down in your life so that you can serve God. Now it's time to turn all of your loyalty, all of your attention, all of your passion, all of your devotion to God. Not on wealth, on finances, not on other people, but to turn everything over to God and to serve Him wholeheartedly and to serve Him alone. And I believe that I believe that the Holy Spirit here today is working on some hearts. And I don't know who this is for, but today you're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision. It's going to be the decision. You know what? I don't. That can't do anything for me. But if I'll build my life on this, if I'll choose to serve only God, if I'll follow, if I'll submit to Him, if I'll resist the enemy, and I'll submit to Him, and I'll humble myself before Him, He's going to lift me up, and He's going to lead me, and I'm going to be built on the rock. And so, no matter what comes against me, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to stumble. This is. It's not going to all come crashing down because I'm built on the rock. I've turned everything over to Jesus. My life is built on Him. I have chosen to live for Him. I have made a decision. I've made a decision. Will you stand to your feet today? I want you to just think for a moment. What, what would your life look like if you submitted and humbled yourself to God? If you resisted the chose to go all in for God. To stop stop living in between, but to go all in for God. What what would your life look like? What could God do in you and through you if you were sold out? I think there is so much that God has for you. But so much of it can only be accessed sell out when we destroy the idols we turn our back on the gods that our ancestors served as talking about in Joshua 24 the things that we've maybe been serving the attitudes that we've had we turn our back on that we repent that's what repent means turn around and we say God my life is all yours I choose you I make the choice today not to live in between and I want to read you this before we pray. I was asking the Lord when I was preparing all of this how to end this. And I, I really sense in my spirit, and maybe this isn't you, but I know it's at least for one person, that there's discouragement. There's discouragement. And I don't, I don't know wh where you've turned to try to find encouragement. And maybe you've been frustrated because where you've turned hasn't been encouraging and the people that you thought in your life would be encouraging.
they haven't been encouraging, and so you're feeling discouraged even more. You're weary, you're tired, maybe you even feel lonely. I want to read this because this was a just a note that I came across this last week that I believe can be an encouragement to you. It says, to whom did you turn the last time you were discouraged? Sometimes we think people are our best encouragers because we can see them and touch them. But the most sure and lasting encouragement comes from God because He sees the future and how we fit into it. He knows our needs, and unlike people, He can love us perfectly, exactly as we need to be loved. We should seek encouragement through prayer because God promises to hear and comfort us, and He lifts us up. And I want to end with this that I believe connects right along with that. It's verse 8, the first part of James 4 8. And what a great promise. It simply says, if you will draw close to God, God will draw close to you. You want to get closer to God? Take a step. draw close to God, He will draw close to you. If you're feeling discouraged, you will draw close to God, He will draw close to you. If you're feeling feeling fearful, if you will draw close to God, He will draw close to you. If you're walking through a very difficult season right now, listen, if you will draw close to God, He will draw close to you. so many promises in your word that that prove how much you love us how much you care for us how you don't want any to perish but all to be saved all to come to repentance and knowledge of you one of those promises that you've made is that if we'll if we'll begin to draw close to you you'll draw close to us today, God, it's our prayer. We want to be close to you. We want to be all in with you. We want to know your heart. We want to see how you see. We want to love how you love. pray as we sing this last song that you would speak to our hearts that you would those that need encouragement that you would encourage those that need direction that you would give direction those that need peace that you would provide peace that passes all understanding for those that are worried or have a lot going on that we would cast our cares on you because you care for us that we would lay it at your feet today and we would draw close to you. In Jesus' name.